Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Sheets. We are your hosts, Chad and Jeanette. And today we have our famous MCA Q&A. All right. So we haven't done one of these in a while, Chad. Um, it's probably been, uh, it has to have at least been two months before the last MCA Q&A. And for those of you who are just new and joining in, our MCA Q&A is where we answer your questions that you submit. Sometimes I find some really, really juicy ones on some of the Facebook groups that I uh, belong to. And this is where we just take those little itty bitty questions that aren't really enough for a full episode and turn them into answers. So without further ado, let's jump into our first question. Um, this one got a couple laughs on the comments. This was on a Facebook group. Do, does anyone else here comment on their clients' tattoos? This is a good one. It's, it's interesting. And, you know, we, I think folks have gotten to know us by now, but we definitely come from two different worlds with different perspectives. And I think that's really what makes us awesome. You have <laughs> yeah. 7 billion tattoos. I have zero. Uh, you're a massage therapist. I focus on, you know, growth consulting uh, and technology. So, you know, it's, um, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this. Cause I, I already know what I know. I already know what I think. Okay. So personally, um, I do not comment on my client's tattoos during the session. Um, if I notice something that is visible when they are fully clothed, such as arms, neck, legs, if they're wearing shorts or a skirt, maybe I might say like, Hey, I really like that tattoo. That's it. I don't ask them questions or anything because some tattoos can have some very personal, personal meanings to them. And I mean, some people just, it might just bring up some stuff that they don't want to discuss, but there are therapists out there that during the session might say something like, Hey, I really like this tattoo. What have you, like, what led you to get this on there? And in my professional opinion, that's not really something that I would want asked during my session. Cause I'm focused on my body my massage. I'm not really focused on why I got this dragonfly on my arm. You know what I mean? So to answer it simply, no, you don't say anything. Maybe if you, after you've had that client for a little bit, I mean, I've specifically had a, I specifically have one client that drives 45 minutes to see me because I am the only therapist who has not said anything about her tattoos. Like she felt comfortable coming to me, not only because I had tattoos, but because during the first couple of sessions, I not once was like, oh, you have this on your thigh. Why did you get that done? Yeah. And some people, even if they are heavily tattooed, still feel judged. That's, uh, you surprised me with your answer that not that I thought that you were babbling about tattoos and calling people out, but, um, I figured that it would have come up in conversation pretty early on, but I, I agree 100% with you. It's not our business as business professionals to call out 
something as personal as, you know, a tattoo. Yeah. And it's hard because there are some amazing artists out there that can really draw some great portraits of people. And like, you can see that artwork and be like, oh my God, that's beautiful. But keep it outside of the session room. Like when you, when you think about it, you want to ask your question, ask yourself, is this going to contribute to the session itself? Like does anything you admiring, is that going to make that trigger point disappear? Is that going to make them relax more? Probably not. So if you feel so in like, like if you feel like you need to say something about their tattoo, leave it for after the session and just be like, Hey, I just wanted to say the artwork that's on your back is gorgeous. Leave it at that. Don't ask them questions about it. Don't say, why did you get that? Uh, yeah, you said it phenomenally. I don't really have much more input. <laughs> Great job. Great job, Jeanette. Great job. Great job. Where's I think, the that's, Where's I the think that's exactly it though. Honestly, I, I think that it's not as the standard that we should hold ourselves to uh, as yeah. well as what the expectations are that our clients have of us are to focus on why they're there. And it's not right. to, you know, if, if somebody walks into your studio, they're like, oh, dude, sweet, you got tattoos. Okay, that probably opens up the conversation in a way, but you allowed them to open it. You didn't force it. So if you're allowing right. your clients to open up and go down that path of that conversation, by all means, if you're comfortable, follow suit. But I, in no way, shape or form, do I believe you should start that conversation. Yeah, no, 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 no. All right. Next question. Um, how do you guys feel about a client taking a phone call in the middle of a massage? Okay. Uh, I want to, I kind of want to kick this one off. So go for it. Here's, here's how I feel. Uh, they paid for the session. They can do whatever they want within those ethical and standards and, you know, the expectations you've set. So if you're protocols and your processes and your uh, disclosures and all that stuff, I'll say um, phones need to be turned off and they decide to take a phone call. They violated your policies. That's when you should be having a conversation with them and saying, we set this expectation, what gives, right? But if you don't have those policies in place, they paid for that time. If they want to spend 20 minutes on a conversation, not while you're touching them, I would say that's a hands-off period of time. Um, but if they want to spend 20 minutes of their time doing, taking that phone call, uh, my opinion is by all means, they pay for that time and they can do whatever they want with it. As long as it doesn't tread on, you know, causing an issue, as long as there's no ethical boundary violations, as long as they're not violating any of your policies or procedures. Um, I think that that's, you know, I might, I might be find myself in a situation where I'm expecting a call. And I might ask my massage therapist, hey, I had my, you know, somebody's in the hospital. I, if my phone rings, is it cool if I grab it? What are you going to say? No. I mean, yeah, that's, that's not a cool move. Well, but so, so there has to be some context behind it. And you have to make sure that the expectations are set, I believe. Okay. So I totally agree with everything you just said. And I think let's take the one-offs. Well, no, we'll include them. If it's a, if it's a one-off, Yeah. I mean, people have important things to attend to. And sometimes you just got to give them a little break and say, yeah, that's fine. Your auto mechanic is supposed to be calling you. Keep your phone on. That's fine. However, if you do have, 
the real way to avoid this is exactly what Chad said was to have a policy in place that cell phones must be on do not disturb. Um, having that policy in the first place, just as a general thing is a really good policy because a lot of people, I've had clients that treat their massage session, like they're in a meeting, like they just, they're like, Hey, I have to take this call. And I'm like, okay, now the only way that I've been a little bit different is I've still worked on them. Now, if they needed to take a call and I was in their upper body, I just really quickly just transferred down to their legs, worked their legs while they took the call. And that was fine. And I actually have one client who needs to have his phone on because of the job, actually three clients that need to have their phone on because the job they work. Very rarely have they taken phone calls, but one of them takes usually one phone call each session. Now, in my situation, and again, this is very specific to my office, this client comes in on Mondays, nobody else is in the office on Mondays except for me, so I don't care. Also, but, you've, had a, you've had that conversation where it's understood, right? It's not, yeah. it's not you know, a first-time client doing something out of the ordinary or right. somebody you've been seeing that's never done it, that all of a sudden they're starting to, or somebody who just does it habitually without even, you know, filling you in on what's going on. Yeah. I think what right. you, I think you've had that conversation. The expectations are set. You know what to do to handle that situation. That communication piece has already been uh, looked into yeah. where a lot of times I think that's not the case. I think that's not the case. And that's where you can really definitely have an issue. Yeah. I mean, you can have my, I mean, obviously the one-offs, I allow all of my clients to have those. But if I were to have a regular client, another regular client pop in my door and say, Hey, um, you know, on Thursdays I can, I can be here midday, but I have to be able to take phone calls. If they come in, I would probably say no, because there are other therapists that are also in my space on Thursdays. I'd be like, look, Thursdays are a no go. You want to come in on Mondays or Tuesdays? Fine. But if you're in a situation where your next you're next door to another therapist who's going to be working at the same time as you. That's fine if you need to take the phone call. However, you're going to have to quickly get dressed, put the robe on and step outside into the waiting room or step outside wherever they need to go so that they're not disrupting other people's sessions. I mean, yeah. done deal. Um, so case by case, case by case in communication, yeah. right? I do. Th I do think I wasn't even thinking policy wise, but I do think that it would be a really good idea to have a general policy in your business that says no cell phones inside the session room. And, and here's, the, here's the thing with the policy. The reason why I even brought up to begin with is the last thing you want to do is somebody takes an emergency call that lasts 10 minutes and then they want that 10 minutes back and you don't have it written someplace that yeah. table time is all inclusive period, whether you're in the bathroom throwing up, whether whatever the situation is, right? Right. Taking a phone call. That is your reserved table time and it's not to be extended. Um, so that's where the policy piece comes in, in my mind. Uh, right. But no, I agree. I think it's a good idea to have it written and something that they initial off on during their intake that they agree their phone goes and do not disturb. And if that means that that uh, particular contact that may need to get in touch with them, they need to add them to a favorite so that they can right. break through that do not disturb, fine. But they need to know, understand how to handle that, that you have yes. rules to follow within your walls. Again, what do we always talk about? Transparency. Yeah. If you run into that situation, just be transparent, have the conversation. All right. Third question. These are good ones. Um, 
making your own lubricant pros and cons. Okay. So this wasn't really a question. The way the question was phrased was, Hey, I'm considering making my own lubricants using essential oils. What are some of your favorite scents? Now, I do understand that scent is very important, especially when we're seeing people midday who might stop at our office, get a massage, and then continue to do grocery shopping, stuff like that. Totally understandable. So I am not picking this person apart for their post, meaning you're making essential oils for the wrong way, because that's kind of where my answer is going to be. You should not be making essential oil lubricants based on the scent you should be making them based on the efficacy of what oil you're putting in there. So if the oil does not have some sort of massage benefit, relaxation, muscle tension, uh, assist, like assistance in decreasing that, uh, blood flow circulation, stuff like that, you probably shouldn't be putting it in with your, um, oils. Now, some massage blends, like some people might say, oh, I just add eucalyptus. Well, not everybody likes the scent of eucalyptus. So yeah, adding in a lavender or a, a floral one helps for scent wise. But to answer this question specifically, and I'm a doTERRA wellness advocate. So like I would never advocate for somebody to put a lubricant on a client that smells like roses just because it smells like roses. I would always say, I mean, I, in my own use, fractionated coconut oil with doTERRA's aroma touch blend or regular fractionated coconut oil. That's all I use. Um, I might add in a drop of geranium or something, other oils here and there, depending on the situation. But if you're just going to make lubrications, if you want to make one based on scent and the client picks it, I mean, fine, but standard across the board, we're massage therapists. We're not perfume yeah. specialists. I'd be, we're not, I'd, I'd be we're not looking to make our clients smell good after the massage. We're looking for them to feel good. I'd be ticked if I like went in for massage and wasn't given the choice of the scent, but all of a sudden I smell like roses. When you said roses, I would be livid that yeah. I wasn't given that choice because my choice would be no scent. I don't want any scent. Yeah. Right. If you want, if you want to help open up my, you know, sinuses or whatever, and you want to drop a couple peppermint drops and put it below my face cradle. Okay, cool. But that's not part of the lubricant that's going to be used on my entire body where right. who knows who I'm going home to or what I'm going home to. Right. I might be going home to a house that has uh, an allergy or a sensitivity to smells. Right. And I was not given that, you know, so yeah, you're hundred percent right. You're the, the, the way it's posed uh, is does sound like they're and they're also doing it. It sounds like for themselves, not for their client. They're doing it because they want to have pretty smelling things, not because it's in the best interest mm -hmm. of the clients. You know, uh, you know. Yeah. So I, I yeah I, I I'm glad that I mean, you, you said it's it way not better that, than me. You said it way better that, than me. It's not that scent isn't, isn't important because ultimately, like nine times out of ten, any female that walks into your office and comes out smelling like roses or lavender or whatever is going to be happy, but you can't assume that. So, I mean, yes, make what you want to make. It'll be really helpful. It might lower your costs. It might be more cost-effective. It might last you longer. It might really help with your massage. Heck, it might even help you regain, retain clients, but base your lubricants off of what is going to assist you with actual muscle tension release or whatever modality you're doing. Okay. So have a purpose that is massage session Correct. related. 
Got it. Correct. Correct. Ooh, the next okay. one's a good one. Okay. Um, how do you deal with a massage haggler? You fire them immediately. Okay. So <laughs> this is where Chad and I are going to disagree because I do have some people that are on an exclusive rate because of certain situations. Most of it is most of my clients that are on exclusive rates are because they are retired and on a budgeted income. Okay. Wait meaning, a minute. I get that, but okay. So let me ask, but you, they can I'm, also I be hagglers. I know I'm interrupting you, but you are. is that, be, yeah. Is this because though they had a, you had a conversation with them and came to a decision. That was my next point. Okay. Because if somebody is straight up saying, no, I'm not paying you 60 bucks. Okay. Well, you yeah. know what? For, get bent. I'm sorry. If you don't respect my time, and what I bring to the table as a professional, I don't you need to see you. So sassy today, I love it. I'm I'm serious though. Like that, it's, I know it's, you are. It's such a slap in the face. And those people, I hate to say it, but there's a massage therapist for them. There's somebody who's fine with that sort of business. I right. think the people listening to this are not that type of person. They understand their value. Uh, they're on the path to you know greatness, creating right. their empire. So my advice is, do not accept haggling whatsoever. Now, if you want to have conversations with specific clients because of circumstances and come to a mutual understanding. Yeah. But that's all dependent on like, I would never agree on a price with a haggler on the first or second session. It would be like maybe the third session after we've kind of established, you know, and that, you know, that's all dependent on how often they come in. If they're coming in once every month for three sessions and on the third session, I'm like, Hey, I feel like I really know you, but if they're, if they come in haphazardly, three times over the course of a year. And all of a sudden they're like, I don't want to pay that rate. Like, yeah, I'm to the door. Bye. I can feel some people already thinking, yeah, but aren't Groupon people hagglers because they're shopping strictly. Based not on always, price? not always. How many not times at, have I said it? Not at all. And here's the other piece about Groupon folks. Uh, people who shop Groupon are people who are looking for a deal. Yes, definitely. I've gone on Groupon looking specifically for a deal. I did it when I moved. I found a moving company and I spent right. less than half of what the regular guys were and they did a phenomenal job. But guess who I used every other time that I moved since then? That same company. So they right. earned me as a loyal customer from that point on. And you can right. do the exact same thing with your practice. How do you do that? By delivering that exceptional experience. So you can convert these deal-seeking folks into loyal clients. Hagglers, um, I don't accept that because to me, that is a mindset that they have that is not easily extinguishable. Yep. Hands Some, down. Sometimes, I... sometimes it's cultural. Sometimes it's a cultural thing. Sometimes, you know, especially, mm -hmm. especially here in America, we have a lot of, we have a huge melting pot. A lot of people come from a yeah. place where haggling is just, that's how business is done. So that's why you have to have your policies and your procedures in place and your terms of use and all that good stuff, because that will negate that potential conversation from the get-go. These are my yes. prices, period. Yes. So if you find yourself in a community where it's rich with uh, that type of person. Okay. So maybe you need to do prepayments or maybe you need to find a way to eliminate that potential issue, right? Overcome that objection before it's even an objection. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. That was a good question. That was a really good question. And it, it was, we took, we took a little spin with it, but I think we got I think we got some, I think you nailed it when you said what you said. I mean, I, yeah, nailed it. Nailed it. Okay. Um, oh, this is totally a you question. Um, what should I take to a volunteer booth fundraiser? Now this is, 
obviously your, your chair or your table, your cleaning stuff, all that massage equipment. But really what this question was designed for was what marketing items should I take to a booth fundraiser? We've covered this in other topics, but Chad can list them off real quickly. So take it away, Chad. But when we talk about a booth fundraiser, are we talking about specifically some sort of nonprofit related item? Or are we just saying where you're going there and you're not let's charging make it, for it? Let's make it general because ultimately, like, I don't, I mean, you can, there might be one or two things that are different between not charging and charging, but ultimately I would take the same thing to both of them. For sure. How you negotiate with a nonprofit is going to be different. You're literally going to ask for somebody, find a company to sponsor the massage chair is what you're going to do. That way you still get paid. But we can do a whole topic on how to do that. When it comes yeah. to, uh, you know, taking a chair massage for like a booth fundraiser sort of thing. Um, listen, you need to have your business cards. And you need to have 10 times as many as you think you need, right? If you think you're going to see 20 people, bring 200. I promise you, you do not want to run out. It's better to have too many than too little. Number two, you want to have some sort of uh, incentive for somebody to sign up, fill in their information, or drop in a business card of their own for you to follow up with them. So sometimes that's just you know a, a fishbowl, and you're going to give away a 60-minute session, um, when you draw names from this fishbowl, right? That might be one way of doing it. But the point is to capture people's information and get their permission to follow up with them. If you see somebody on your chair and you've had them fill in whatever it is that you need them to fill in and you find that there's a lot going on that you could, you're definitely the right answer for, right? You can definitely help them. You need to be able to follow up with them, but you're going to have somebody else jumping on uh, the chair right after them, are you going to remember who they are, right? So you need to be able to uh, keep track of the people that you're seeing, okay? Um, I, I like digital because a lot of people have really crappy handwriting, including myself. And if you can't read their handwriting, you can't follow up with them. So if you uh, have like a QR code that scans and it's just a simple form, name, email, phone number, is it cool if I call you to see how you're feeling uh, tomorrow? Uh, that's all you really need, right? So you do that and you've got a way to follow up with them, but now you also have all of their information. You can add them to your newsletter because all of these free items that you're doing, these fundraiser or nonprofit or just setting up a, uh, a chair at a gym, whatever the situation is, um, those are all marketing opportunities for you to get regular loyal clients. And you can easily give away 50 free chair massages and get nothing out of it if you're not following up with these people. So um, some sort of giveaway slash information capture, um, making sure that you have business cards and, you know, having that genuine, keeping notes of the people that you've seen so that when you follow up with them, you can say, Hey, Jeanette, uh, you know, we were, I saw you at the other event. It was so great to meet you. Um, you know, I, I told you a little bit about your left shoulder. I'd love for you to come in so that we can see what we can do about that, whatever that situation looks like, but you've taken a couple of notes. So you know how to personalize that experience with them. The other, the only other thing that I would add into there is to check with the booth, um, whether it's people that come to your booth are paying, or if it's a, especially if it's a nonprofit, I would check with that nonprofit to see if you are able to put out a tip jar and you could advertise that 50% of the tips or hundred percent of the tips or whatever that goes in here gets donated to that nonprofit charity. And that's a great community Facebook like involvement 
post that you can put up like, Hey, I'm at this nonprofit, a hundred percent of the tips go here, come visit me today. So that's the only, that's the last minute thing that I have to add in. Cause I I've know also, that I've yeah. seen that at some booths. I've also seen it where um, there's a massage chair in the corner and nobody ever visits because they're shy. Um, if there is a DJ or some sort of organizer, talk to them, network with them and say, Hey, listen, I'm over in the corner. You want to holler me out, you know, shout me out a couple of times. That would be awesome. Yeah. And they will, they'll say, yeah. Hey, go check out my friend, you know, Jeanette, she's in the corner. She's doing free chair massage. Go check her out, whatever it is, right. Or, or chair massage dollar a minute, whatever your situation is, but make sure that you're getting, you know, that foot traffic, capitalize on it, control what you can right. control. Right. Now we have one more question. Um, there was a post put up in a Facebook that said, I read an article that said most LMT careers last about eight years. Is this true? Now, anytime I see any of these types of questions, you know, it normally revolves around burnout. What do you do to avoid burnout? And most of the responses are about physical things. Take yeah. care of your wrists, self-care, make sure your body mechanics are appropriate. And while that's all true, we need to think of the business side of it too, because it is, it's completely possible that you burn out because you're having trouble actually running your business. Your massage sessions could be fine. You're in no physical pain, you know, other than like occasionally a sore wrist after a long day, but burnout can happen when you don't understand your business because being confused, like within your mind and going into the session room going, oh my gosh, I still have to do this and this and this and this and this can be just as much burnout as it is injury to your body. No, like, I mean, those are, those are my thoughts on it. I just get it. It's amazing to me how many people equate burnout with injury when that's not really the whole pie. Yeah. We did an episode a couple ago of episode 49. We talked about burnout and we talked about it beyond just that physical. And I think that's a really good episode to go back to because, you know, we spent just over a half an hour uh, yep. really talking about the different elements of burnout. And um, yeah, it's, it's more than just that physical. And when you talk about, uh, would you say eight years, eight years as the, yeah, I listen, I know people who are 40 years in and I'm not, it's not to say that 40 is the average by any means, but when you, yeah, I don't really know where they're getting that statistic from. Listen, forget about the statistics. If it's eight years or if it's 80 years, I don't care. You need to do what's right for you. And if you do your business, if you have that strong foundation and you're retaining your current clients and you're constantly getting new clients uh, that you know are a perfect fit for you and you love what you do every single day and you take care of your body and you take your vacations and you pay yourself adequately, if you do all of these things, you can have that robust business that is one of a couple of things, something that you're happy to retire from when you're ready, one that is sellable, that you can sell to somebody else because it's robust, or you got 15 people who want a piece of it and you uh, you franchise it out to them, right? But at the right. end of the day, it's not because of burnout. It's not eight years because of, you know, whatever. I mean, listen, part of that eight years, also people leaving the industry for other reasons. They right. no longer need the income. They whatever. You said situation. that beforehand. You said that before we started recording was sometimes people work and then they meet someone who can pay all their bills and they're like, well, shoot, why would I work? Or they have three kids and suddenly they can't work because, you know, their partner makes more money. Like there's all sorts of other reasons for LMT careers 
to be done after eight years. It's not always burnout. I think there's also not a lot of industries. There are some, there's, there's other ones. So I don't want this to feel like an argument by any means, but I don't think there are a lot of other industries that are as physical as massage therapy, but are so, um, as far as the, the pro themselves are so skewed heavily to one gender than the other. I think it's rare that right. you get where you have, what is it like 78%, maybe even more are female, but also mm-hmm. such a physically taxing uh, yeah. industry. I, I, yeah. mean, I honestly can't really think of anything else that is like that. I mean, so, you know, there's, there's other contributors to it, but, you know, set yourself up for success by taking care right. of yourself mentally, physically, uh, having a business set up in the right way. And I think you can have a business that lasts as long as you want it to, whatever right. number that looks like. Right. And that's it. Six questions. It didn't Beautiful seem like six, six questions. No, it was, it was six awesome. questions. Um, all right. So next week uh, we have, uh, we're going to be talking about where should your booking link be? Um, mm. This is pretty much going to be like a whole Chad thing. Um, Chad's really good with marketing, but for those of you who have been in business for years, this is going to kind of be like a double check to make sure that your booking link or your website link, if you don't have online booking, are in every single place that they should be. So until next Saturday, guys, keep folding your sheets. Have a nice week. Take it to the next level.